This is On The Grid, powered by theracetalk.com on mypodcasthouse.com. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com or on the Radio Show Limited's RS1. Thank you for joining us again this week, another big week coming up with supercars down in Tasmania. It is the Tasmanian Super Sprint at Simmons Plains. We'll have a good chat about that with Mark Walker and Richard Crowell a little bit later on and we'll also catch up with Dave Reynolds of course he's part of Kelly Grove Racing find out how he thinks his season's gone so far and how they're going to rectify what hasn't been probably the most successful start to the year for them down in Tassie plenty of news though coming around in the world of motorsport and of course another Grand Prix the second Grand Prix of the year coming up for 2021 and to cover all the action for us we say a very good day to Dale Rogers. G'day Dale, how are you? Thank you Tony. Round two of the FIA 2021 World Formula One Championship takes place this weekend back in Europe as the cars head to the Imola track in San Marino. A track that is steeped in history and indeed tragedy. Uh, It's hard to believe that it's 27 years since that fateful Grand Prix in May the 1st 1994 uh, which just saw so much carnage and of course the loss of life of uh, Roland Ratzenberger and Ayrton Senna. It started off that weekend with a massive crash for Rubens Barrichello in the Sassol Jordan at nearly 225 k's. Survived a a massive impact uh, there. Then of course on Saturday during qualifying, uh, second qualifying, uh, Roland Ratzenberger lost his life in the Simtech F1 and uh, not to on to Sunday, of course, there was a, a massive uh, crash at the start of the race with involving Pedro Lamy and JJ Leto, which put the field behind the safety car. And then on lap seven, uh, Ed Senna uh, left the track at the Tamburello and uh, lost his life in a tragic accident. But we move ahead, and obviously the safety and change to this track, and in fact the safety to Formula One, brings us to where we are today. Uh, and we must look at the season at hand, and it was a brilliant race in Bahrain just a couple of weeks back uh, that really bore out the promise that Red Bull Honda had shown in testing, that they were potentially the quickest car. Lewis Hamilton drove a brilliant race uh, and, and battled it out on, on strategy with Max right till the end. Max had to, of course, give the position back uh, to Hamilton and just could not catch him in the end. But a stunning race, and we're hoping these two continue this battle this weekend. A couple of things to watch out for, Tony. Um, Sergio Perez uh, had a difficult race uh, at, in Bahrain, started from the pit lane, but drove up to fifth. Uh, I think the, the, this is really now is we need to see whether Perez can actually take the pace up to, to Verstappen and be a real challenger to that Mercedes Red Bull battle. Uh, for McLaren, uh, good results, really the, uh, a, a strong fourth place from Lando Norris and Ricardo. although the media seemed to give him a belting around the ears that Norris had beaten him, drove uh, to seventh place in a, in a wounded McLaren with the, uh, the floors broken after he was hit by Pierre Gasly in the AlphaTauri. Uh, so the McLaren boys looking strong also, as are the AlphaTauri drivers who had a pretty miserable time in Bahrain but certainly have a quick car underneath them. So that's another one that we need to watch out for. The um, of interest, I think, to to really to see where things are at with Formula One at the moment, Tony, is the the two teams that that I think uh, Aston Martin and Ferrari. Um, uh, Charles Leclerc drove a brilliant race in um, uh, in Bahrain. Uh, Perez uh, did have some. Uh, sorry, uh, uh, Carlos Sainz did have some issues with his car, but. Uh, uh, certainly, Charles Leclerc did, really drove particularly well and probably a little bit uh, better than the Ferrari was, but nonetheless he was in the mix. So I think that being uh, in Italy, of course, the fans are going to be out and forced to see whether the uh, the Scarlet Ferraris or the Scarlet and Green Ferraris this year can actually do the job. So a lot of eyes on them. The other team I think we've got to really keep an eye on, Tony, is the Aston Martin team. Um, in, in 2020, it was a replica of the 2019 Mercedes. Uh, it appears now that they might have built their own car. Um, um, and I say that tongue-in-cheek, of course. Uh, but the, the Aston Martins certainly did not look uh, as though they had the pace of their predecessor in the 2020 season. Uh, Vettel struggling in the car. Um, and Lance Stroll, you know, obviously picked up a point. But uh, I think those two teams are the ones to keep an eye on. Great midfield battle as well towards the back. Uh, don't forget George Russell uh, will be looking for a result here after spearing off in this race last year while leading the pack under safety car, um, putting his right foot a little bit too hard on the accelerator on the downhill run. 
um, and uh, into the Aqua Minerala and then uh, fenced it. So uh, we'd, we'd love to see, I think, Williams snag a point here if they can. So fascinating race. Bahrain has set up a great season. Uh, we hope it continues. And uh, we'll be back next week with a full wrap of the uh, San Marino uh, Grand Prix from Italy. Back to you in the studio, Tony. Time to look at other news and in supercars the crowd capacity for the weekend's Tasmanian Super Sprint has been revealed. The Chief Operating Officer for Supercars Shane Edwards says they're expecting approximately 10,000 fans per day down in Launceston. That'll be fantastic if they get it. Supercars has launched also a market tender for the spare racing entitlement contracts or the RECs, which could see the grid expand to 26 full-time entries from 2022. The championship contingent has been stable at 24 entries for the past three years. Teams have until 5 o'clock next Friday to express their interest with the winning bidders expected to be announced next month. Gary Rogers Motorsport declaring it will not return to supercars for the first Gen 3 season and take one of those available wrecks. Lastly though, in supercars news, uh, Motorsport Australia has announced on Friday last week that Jordan Boys has been stripped of his maiden Super 2 win. The decision comes after his Wilkinshaw Andretti United car was found to have an engine breach at Mount Panorama earlier this year. The V8 engine was removed from the car for a routine check which upon it was realised it did not comply with the engine specification document. The win has been handed to Matthew Williams, uh, to driver Tyler Everingham. The win has been handed to Tyler Everingham. In MotoGP news, United Nations have condemned the site of the new MotoGP venue in Indonesia. The United Nations says human rights violations have taken place at a $3 billion tourism site where MotoGP is set to race in 2022. In a report released on March the 31st, human rights experts said the site on the land of Lombok was home to aggressive land grabs, forced evictions of Indigenous people and intimidation and threats against human rights defenders. Mark Marquez has finally been cleared to race in MotoGP again. The Spaniard will race in Portomeo this weekend, making his return to the competition for the first time in almost a year. And Australian Jack Miller underwent successful arm surgery last week in Barcelona after suffering an arm pump during the Doha Grand Prix. The issue occurred early in the 22-lap race at La Salle, and Miller signalled plans to undergo surgery following the race. If his recovery remains on track, he'll be able to race this weekend, even if he's not 100% Recovered. All right, that's the news. Let's get straight into the show. This is On The Grid on mypodcasthouse.com. All right, joining me as he always does, Richard Crowell from the racetalk.com. Hello, Richard. Baxter, how are you? Welcome back. Oh, it's great to be back, mate. Had a beautiful time down in Tassie last week. Uh, the only thing was I was probably a week early. I should yeah, have been down there this week. Dirk Kleinsmith and went a week early to a supercars round. But uh, no, nice part of the world to go and visit and Thoroughly looking forward to this weekend. The Tassie Super Sprint should be a belter. It's a cracking little racetrack. Always puts on some great supercars racing, and I'm sure this weekend will be no different. Yeah, I know that one guy that's going to head down there very, very shortly, might even be tomorrow or Thursday, is, of course, the uh, lead driver for Penrite Racing. And it's Dave Reynolds, and he joins us on the line for a chat. Hello, David. Hey, boys. How you going? Thanks for having me. Uh, no, thank you for coming on board. Uh, we always appreciate it. My friend, uh, Tassie. Tell us about it. A favourite track? Oh, yeah. Let's just say it's in the top 15, I suppose, we go to. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, like it's, it's a funny track because it looks really simple, but it's actually produces some really good racing and it makes makes qualifying like just difficult because it's very, very, very tight, the grid. It's, you know, it's separated by literally nothing of a second. So... You know, if you're on the wrong side of the hundredth or the tenth or whatever whatever it is comes down to, you can you can be either mid pack or on the front row. It's it's that close. It's one of those tracks, Dave, where getting a lap in quali can be difficult too, because you get guys rolling out of pit lane slowly. But because it's a 55 second lap, you're approaching them at warp speed, and it can often make that uh, that overlap a bit challenging as well. Yeah, it is, it is difficult. Um, like everyone, especially in qualifying, everyone sort of, sort of rolls around and tries to get a toe, and it depends on which way the wind goes. It can make a really big difference to your day. Mm. So, you know, the the car at the front could be, you know, there's someone at the front of the queue trying to take the pain, and there's everyone behind it trying to squabble over position. But then, you know, the car at the front's obviously got clean air. But ultimately, it doesn't go as fast, but everyone behind it 
could end up stuffing themselves over by trying to get track position and, and ruining their um, qualifying session that way. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot of things to think about in that short session. It's not a standard, you know, go out there, fastest car wins, the type of thing at all. There's a lot of um, games that get played in quality. With the uh, divided groups, the Group A and Group B for qualifying, you a fan of that? Uh, oh, yeah, yes and no. Like, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. You know, I don't um, – I think the first – am I right by saying the first – after the first qualifying session, they only get rid of four cars, which really doesn't yeah. seem all that much point to do. Mm. Um, and then they then they discount 10 cars after that. Then they have the – you know, the, effectively the, the fastest 10 cars on the track. Um, it's good but I think they need to cut more cars off out of the first session um, if they, you know, want to take it more seriously, I think, because, yeah, I don't know. That's just my partake on it. I'm not sure about you guys. You guys probably have your own opinion of it. Yeah, I, uh, dropping four cars seems a bit meaningless. It doesn't, yep. doesn't, especially in a 50-second lap. It just, it still looks exactly yeah. the same on TV. There's still the same density, really, out there. So, And the field's exactly. so closely packed. It's not like you're dropping someone two seconds off the field out of the way, are you? Like, they're, everyone's going about the same lap time. So, um, it's yep. so competitive. Um, how do you sum up your year so far, mate? Like, first two rounds, you've sort of been back half of the top 10, you know, top half of the top 20, I suppose, and then a really, really good podium in those atrocious conditions at Sandown. So, how do you assess your, your first rounds with Kelly Grove and the Penrite car um, after Sandown? Yeah, man. Our first couple of rounds have been... Uh, you know, quite positive. Like when I went at the start of the year, we said in you know, the very first round we're going to be between that, you know, that eighth to fourteenth sort of mark, and we kind of were smack bang right in there. <laughs> and we've made a couple of parts to our car, and we turned up at Sandown. We were a little bit faster. We qualified a little bit better. Mm. Um, that sort of gave us the next sort of spot from that sort of six to ten sort of region. But in, in the wet, you know, the wets are one of those, anytime there's a wet race on, it's always kind of a bit strange how it sort of unfolds. But, you know, we got, I reckon, you know, if I didn't have those parts in the car um, that we made between Bathurst and Sandown, there's absolutely no way I was on the podium at at um, Sandown. Really? So, you know, it's a huge threat. Yeah, 100% made, well, everything we, we changed in the front of the car was to just give it more feel and and like, I suppose, you know, driver feel and feedback from the front tyre. And, and, and you need a lot of that in the wet, let alone in the dry, but you need a lot of that in the wet. So, mm. you know, just to have feel in, in the wet is, you know, it's paramount for a driver. So if we didn't have that, there's absolutely no chance I would have been on the, on, on a, on a podium spot. Wow. So yeah, that- so it's going really, it's going really good things. Like everyone's really positive. You know, they're making new parts, trying things. And that's at the end of the day, that's what you want as a race car driver. You want to see the boys making new parts, come with up new ideas and trying trying things week in, week out. Because you don't get a lot of testing in this sport. So, mm. you know, it's all about you know, how many ideas and different things can you chuck at it at, at one weekend and sort of evaluate it. What, what, just going back to, to you talking about the front end of the car, is that something you were chasing in particular or was it something the team was already working on given the fact these cars are still basically brand new after after being charged into service last year, was was it something you identified when you first drove the car going, right, this is something we need to fix, or were the team already aware of it and working on that problem? Uh, no, 100% when I first got there, you know, I drove the car and said, okay, this is this is how I feel, this is what I think it needs, da-da-da-da. Like I wrote a big list for them, and we're just trying to get through them and pick them off, you know, bit by bit. And, you know, the big, big item that was easy to move was, you know, um, the front end feel, which was, you know, they did, they did a big analysis on it and they found probably a few things they could improve on it. Um, Andre was talking about that in the past, but, mm. um, you know, I think, you know, when you have a, a new set of eyes come in and repeat the same message, it sort of gives it more, gives it more validity, I think. Yep. So that was like a big course of action. They went, okay, this is what we need to do, and they went and did it. But there's there's still more things. There's still heaps of things we can we can improve on. Really important for a team to have both drivers sort of on the same page in regards to the feedback that they're sort of giving back to the engineers. It seems like you and Andre have uh, hit it off really well from day one. 
Yeah, well, I, I, exactly, man. Um, you know, Andre and I have a pretty good relationship. Um, he's been a mate of mine for many years. He's been a teammate of mine before. So, you know, I know him quite intricately, I'd like to say. <laughs> um, yeah, but he's a really good character, good kid, you know, works really hard, tries hard. Um, and he's, you know, got some ability, which is, which is great. You know, um, I, I you know, enjoy being next to him because he does some strange shit from time to time, which I laugh at. <laughs> How's um, it, it? It must have been a full-on year for you, Dave. And, and we'll talk about your TV career in a minute. But you, you've had a, you've had a kid. I don't know if it was. It wasn't that much of a career. <laughs> oh, God, don't don't use past tense, mate. You're locked in for the year. Um, you, you've 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 started your family. You've changed teams. You're in a whole new environment at home and at work. So. How's that process been for you, sort of getting your head around quite substantial changes to your life, not just your your professional life, but your, your personal one as well? Good, good question, Krause. Um, yes, it's been a very, very different year for myself. Um, if you said, you know, at the start of last year, if you said you were driving of a different team and have a baby, I would have just laugh and said that's in another world and that's not <laughs> going to be possible for someone that doesn't like change and loves, you know, all things to be the same. You know, I'm a quite a creature of habit type person. So, you know, for me, it's been very, very different um, in the racing side, but and at home as well with the kids that, you know, I've, I've been, a, been a parent. I love it. He's, I just can't say, oh, I just can't. It's just unbelievable. It's so much fun. Um, to see all my all my family so happy, mm. and my girlfriend as well so happy. It's nothing. There's, yeah, it's a, honestly the best thing I've ever done in my life. Better than winning ten bathers. Wow! There you That's go. Awesome. Tell us about little it's Ryu. Really cool. Like, is he is he a good Ryu. sleeper? Yeah, Ryu's a very very good kid. My my mum comments on how much better of a kid he was than I was when I was that age. Like, oh, apparently not, I was whinging all the time and not too hard. I'm tipping. very unsettled. Very, very, yeah, mate, he's a very good kid. Very, we've been very blessed to have such a good kid. But, like, I, I made my missus, like, eat all the right food, do all the right things. I read all the books before her, heard before she did. I did all the research and was trying to tell her what to do to have a, you know, a smarter, happier, healthy baby. So, you know, I think it worked. Now, the, uh, the most important question is, are you a nappy changer? So I didn't change the nappy for the first month, I reckon. I was a little bit taken back by the whole thing, <laughs> but yeah, it's actually very easy. It's not that bad at all. So, you know, after the first month, it was yeah, it was was easy. Fantastic. I was a little bit yeah, I was skeptical. I was yeah, skeptical at the start, but um, I come around. Is skeptical of the whole pro- nappy changing process, or <laughs> well, like- just of the whole, just you know, just the mess and you know what yeah. you got to do and everything. It was like. You know, I'm flat out just looking after myself, let alone a little baby. <laughs> now, two weeks ago at Mount Panorama, uh, we were there for the Bathurst Six Hour for seven, which was great fun. Um, did did yeah, you ever conceive? Yeah. Speaking about changes, did you ever conceive that you'd be barreling into the chase at 215 k's an hour? in a Hyundai road car, let's be honest, it was a road car, with um, three television presenters around you making Lego. Was that ever a thing you never conceived happening in your life? (laughs) Never, Ace, but that was was really cool to do. It was a very good idea, Um, and I think it came across well on camera. It was a lot of fun to to be part of, and I think when you watched it back, it was a lot of fun. Mm. I hope all of you have got a good laugh out of it. It was definitely different. I've never done that before. We had the whole television thing. Sorry? I was just going to say we had Braid Hodge on the show last week and, and he was talking about the ongoing feeling of sickness that started about halfway through that first lap and how he barely kept it together over the, uh, over the journey. <laughs> yeah, well, Hodge, was, um, he was animated at the start and then about half a lap in, he started to go quiet and then the last lap he didn't talk at all. <laughs> and then he was sick for two days after that, the yeah. poor fella. So I didn't, yeah, I did him an injustice. Uh, yeah, the you- whole television thing is a bit, bit different. Like I... I have huge amount of respect for anyone like you guys, especially yourself, Richard, who can do that commentary stuff for the entire day and still have stuff to talk about and still you know, have energy in the day. And you know, anyone that's involved in TV or on camera, it's just given me a whole new perspective of it, which is you know probably something that every 
everyone in the sport probably needs to have a go at it at one stage just to understand it. So, um, yeah, I'm enjoying the challenge and um, there's a lot of things I can work on, but um, it's, you know, it's uh, definitely something I'm enjoying. Mate, we uh, threw out some – we threw out the question to our listeners to give us some questions for the show. We're going to discuss a few of them a little bit later on, but one that came through that I thought I would throw up now, and you might have more of an idea to answer this than Richard and I might have, and it's from Scott Templeton. He says, I'd like to know the situation with Rick Kelly. Fair enough, he retired after 19 years of driving, but no longer involved with the team he co-founded and built, not even co-driving. Uh, what's the go with that, says Scott. Do you know much more about that? Is, is Rick still an active member of the team as such, or is he just really enjoying a bit of retirement at the moment? Um, oh, I don't, to be honest, I don't really know. Like, I, I speak to Rick occasionally. Um, so he still comes and does the test days and the ride days and stuff and helps out that way. Um, still gives his feedback on the car and what and whatnot. But um, I think after being that that long in the sport, like, I think you do need some sort of a break to really understand what you've been through and, and um you know what? What's your next? What's your next step in your life? I suppose because, but it's you know you'll you'll have to talk to him to really understand the full story. I'll yeah. just be making stuff up for him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he'd appreciate that. Uh, on on but, a uh, sim- like I, I, I wish I wish he was. Um, obviously, they, they announced the old Bamber and the other car as a co-driver. Mm-hmm. And I, I really wish Rick was you know, still um, an active driver because he's a he's a good guy, good driver, and you know he's fun to have around. Mm. Yeah, and that El Bamba gets a good one. Well, and and on that note of of ownership of the team, not long after you were locked in there, um, it was announced that Stephen Grove has has come on board. So it's now Kelly Grove Racing. Have have you noticed any changes? Or, admittedly, you haven't been there much longer than they have. But any influence yeah, yeah. or impact that that Stephen and and his family have brought in? A, they're a great group of people and and proper racing people, which is great. But have, have you just noticed anything with, with Stephen's involvement so far? Um, well, it's hard for me to comment on what it was before because I really wasn't there. But, yeah, like they kept it very quiet because, you know, I signed my deal at the start of the year and then a few days or maybe a week later or something, there was mm. an announcement that, yeah, um, Stephen bought into the team. I had absolutely no idea about it, to be honest. Really? Absolutely no idea. Yeah, I actually, it was, it was caught me by surprise. So I was a little bit stunned about um, but you know his involvement with the team. He every time you talk to him, it's just it's just like how can you win? How what do you need to win? And as a racing driver or anyone in the team, that's all you want to hear. It's what can we do to win? What mm-hmm. what do you need investment wise? What people do you need? What do you need? Like it's it's very very it's the best you know few words you could ever talk to anyone in a competitive sport that wants to win races. Is what do you need to win? And what do you how yeah, that's all you need. What what can we do to win? What can what what input can we give to make you win? That's all you need. Yeah, it's genuinely, Dave. One of the the most interesting stories for mine in supercars this year mm. is what impact they have. Because yes, they've been successful in business, but Stephen and Brenton are both very successful racing car drivers in their own right at their level in GT. Yeah. Like they've won five Bathurst twelve hours in their class. So they get what it takes from a driving point of view. So I'm, I'm really excited to see how that sort of plays into the ownership side with you guys and, and what they can bring to that team. Yes. I'm very much looking forward to the future of this team, especially with those, uh, with those two involved. I was going to say, if you get the chance, mate, ask him about his uh, walk of Monte Carlo or sorry, Monaco. When yeah. he went over there to drive a Porsche and uh, what he did at turn one, if you get the chance. <laughs> yeah, I'll ask him. <laughs> I, know, I know that story. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good story. Yeah, uh, mate, just finally, before we let you go, uh, well publicised and it was there for the public to see your time at Erebus, especially in the last year or two. What you probably can comment is the difference in atmosphere between what Erebus was in the time you were there and Kelly Grove Racing is it a totally different place? Um, yeah. Is it a totally different place? It's very hard for me to say. Um, but you know, I I love the positivity of Kelly Grove Racing. The people involved, very relaxed. Um, you know, v- very goal orientated people. Um, very professional. 
and um, but they, you know, still still know how to have fun and and go racing on the weekends, which is perfect. That's that's all I want. I just you want that team environment that can band together, um, that are mates. They go racing on the weekend that can win races, and that's what we're trying to build in our cars and in our team as well. So, you know, it's it's going to be a great journey for the next few years. I can't. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, can anyone beat SVG this weekend, mate? Yeah, like, you know, can anyone beat Shane? You know, Shane's obviously in a bit of a purple patch in his life, driving-wise. Um, I believe they have some sort of engine upgrade for that, which is kind of funny itself. But, you know, <laughs> the bloke who wins races, wins all the races, gets more power, which doesn't make sense. Um, but, you know, the the when you look back on the history of Tasmania, it's always been a, a heavily, you know, triple-eight dominated track or Holden dominated track. So, and they're going to be very, very difficult to beat, especially with everything that's gone on in the last week or so. So, yeah, it's going to be we've definitely got our work cut out. But you know, it's always possible. Like it's it's always possible. You know. Yeah. Well, fingers crossed it can happen, mate. Uh, we know you just got home from work, and I know that you've got a, a partner and baby that want to give you a big cut on a kiss. So we'll let you go do that, buddy. Thank you so much for your time today, and uh, all, right, all the best on the weekend, mate. Appreciate it. Thank you. Good thanks, on you, Dave. Dave. Dave Reynolds joining us here. Happy on with the that. Grid. All right, Krause joining us as he always does for the final part of the podcast. We say good day to Mark Walker from the Racetalk.com. Hello, Mark. Uh, very good day to you, Shebex Krause. We get to go racing again this weekend. How exciting is that? Well, it sort of seems like we've gone racing every weekend. We get to go supercar racing this weekend. Well, it's supposed to be last weekend, but obviously COVID happened. So uh, thanks to Brisbane. But uh, looking forward to it. Classic little racetrack, the old Simmons Plains Grand Prix circuit. So it should be good fun. Um, well, I can, say, can I just say that I spent four days in Hobart last week with my lovely wife. How was that, by the way? Because well, that was we, fantastic. We missed except, you on the show. Except I would not have known that there was anything happening in Launceston or in Simmons Plains this week. There is absolutely no communication between the north and the south of Tasmania, even no, though there's not. only a two-hour drive. Mm. Yeah. Uh, they need to bring in some old PR hacks like myself because that was the this place of my best ever PR effort when I had the front and the back page of the examiner <laughs> with the exact same <laughs> the photo. Same photo. <laughs> <laughs> I, could tell you what the, I could tell you what the front and the back page of the examiner has been, and it's all about the uh, the poker machines at the casinos at Launceston and Hobart, which have been hacked, mm. cyber hacked, and they're, they're out. They're not up. They're down and have been for a week and not expected Jeez. to be up for another month or two. What, what will the 32 people down there do? Exactly. No, we like we like Tassie. Uh, fortunate enough to have been down there in January for the um, Race Tasmania event with ARG. So lovely place. Simmons is a great little racetrack and uh, always produces some fairly exciting supercars action. And with the, the formats that we're running now, I'm really interested to see how they play out. And another old school track like we had at... Uh, Sandown a couple of weeks ago, a track where the aero doesn't play a role, should be, you know, it's all point and squirt stuff there. So should be some pretty feisty motor racing, I would have thought. Can't wait to see how the uh, the jumpy trucks handle the hairpin. I'd say it doesn't matter. They'll just go straight over the top of whatever's in the way. I mean, there's a <laughs> bit of armco there they could flatten. I, I don't see that as too big a hurdle for those guys. Not a lot of catch fence there. They were worried about those things spitting off parts into the crowd, and they're running them in a track that doesn't have any catch fence. So good luck to them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, look, Tasmanians will get a show, that's for sure, one way or another, up close and personal. No, it's going to be good. Looking forward to it. Um, I, yeah, it, it's are we a, cool... a little bit disappointed that there's only two support categories to supercars? Oh uh, yeah, look, Tassie's always had a pretty average support program, hasn't it? And the fact that uh, the fact that there was an entirely different standalone event at the start of the year probably didn't help the cause because maybe you could have lured an S five thousand or a TCR down there, but for this event, but um, that's just the way it's gone. And a little bit of complications with the COVID dramas in Brisbane that, that forced the postponement of this event um, a week later means that it clashes now with the start of Target Tasmania, which is Tasmania's largest motor racing event by margin. Um, 
So unfortunately, one of the support categories, which was the Tassie Tin Tops, which we've seen roll out uh, a couple of times in the past, and Mark Walker's actually had an involvement in that in the past as well, which was nice. Um, some of the cars that were due to run in that are competing in Target Taz, and they're always going to take Target Tassie over uh, some sprint races at Simmons Plain. So um, they're down one support category, which is a shame, but um, hopefully the fact that it's a nice little condensed uh, two-day race meeting will help the cause as well. That's the good right. news, I was, I was say, Mark. So the good news is though that uh, it's been announced by Supercars that uh, the entries in Target Tasmania will actually do a lap of Simmons Plains as part of the yeah. entertainment on Sunday before they head out for their race. So that's good. Yeah, good, good crossover concept, I suppose, because Target Tasmania is one of the world's great tarmac rallies. So it makes sense that they should cross over with the other major Tassie motorsport event. You just give me some uh, post-traumatic stress disorder there with the flashback to the time I was a category manager. Yes, correct. Great. Working for a person who's been on this show in television celebrity, Greg um, Glenn Ridge. Glenn Ridge. Absolutely. That was uh, that was good times. We, Funny category because there was just such a huge disparity between fast cars and slow cars and watching them zip down the back straight was absolutely terrifying. Yeah, it was it was the speed difference which we saw at the six hour the other week, but in a oh. sixty second lap. <laughs> like it's it's funny the old um, doing laps around your clothes dryer, as uh, Dick Johnson once said. No, it's um, it's a cool category those mixes, but uh, shame they won't be running this weekend. Anyway, be good. We we um, Mark and I, I say we the Royal, we called a. Um, this the most insane Formula Ford racing at Simmons Plains back in the day. What what was it? 12, 2012? 2012. Australian Formula Ford Championship. Bonkers. Absolutely bonkers. Three wide across the line at one point. Almost four. What? Bump drafting. Just absolutely mental racing. Simon Hodge going absolutely face first into the pit wall. And yes, he did. Yep. The, the track went red flag for a second and then went unread flag, which I don't think is a thing that normally happens. Mm. But uh, that was exciting. Yeah. And that, that car actually snapped in half behind the driver. It was a front-on impact Ugh. and the gearbox snapped on it. Yeah, it was, uh, it was not great. It was a, <laughs> that was a TKO, that car. She, uh, she never raced again. <laughs> actually, Simmons Plains is one of my uh, most memorable flip-overs. Jason Ackermanis in a mini. Oh, yes. Uh, on the, on the outlap. Yes. So he didn't even get to the start line. Yeah. The Brisbane Lions superstar known for his race car driving ability. Yeah. Um, handstands and handstands. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Jamie Winkup shunting while celebrating. That was amusing. Just, uh, just nerfed the thing into the, uh, into the hedge down at the hairpin. That was good fun. The, The thing that scares me about this track is qualifying. When they line up, we've seen dramas, well, it would have been probably 10 or 12 years ago when Jamie Winkup had a, almost had a massive banana there with the queue lined up to get some gaps coming into that final turn. Mm. And then the cars on their flyers already. Ooh, I always shudder when that happens because there's just an epic closing speed there. And uh, as we saw back in, I think it was 2008, it was almost a huge drama there. So hopefully they, they can have uh, thrown in keep some, it clean. Uh, they have thrown in some measures to prevent that though, haven't they, in the last couple of years? Well, they've got the multi-group qualifying this weekend as well, so they they split the field into Group A and Group B, which will um which will help things. They so how that works if it rains between the different groups or not, I'm not sure, but um yeah, that that was brought in the knockout thing as well was brought in to um to try and stop that drama, like at uh, the Barbagello issue as well as the other track on the schedule yeah. where it always causes dramas. But yeah, it'll be interesting. But then again, you know, deal with it. One of those things, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> says says the guy sitting in his armchair, nice and comfortable and not driving at 260Ks an hour. <laughs> but anyway, that's what we're here for, right? Uh, there have been a couple of teams that have been fairly prominent, haven't they, in the results at Simmons Plains in the last few years. I, I talk more so of uh, Triple Eight and well, yeah. DJR. It's a Triple Eight. Oh, well, it's it's a tri- Triple Eight tri- racetrack, tri- isn't, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Tri- triple Eight and Scott McLaughlin Racing. Correct. Yeah. yeah, correct. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, what odds that the streak continues? Like, for Shane, there's every conceivable outcome that he'll win another three races this weekend based on T8's form and his own form at Simmons Plains Raceway. I, I would I would love to see a uh, Team 18 strong performance because they've gone well there. Remember Mark mm. Winterbottom's poll a couple of years ago was an outstanding result. That would be nice to see them deliver on some of the real potential they've been showing 
so far this season. And, and I think it's time for WAU to deliver on their potential as well with where Chaz has been at in that car and, and st- finally string together a really solid race win. It, it's got to happen soon. They, they're knocking on the door, aren't they? So this will be another test for that team to see if their continued progress is, is legit or whether they're just stumbling onto it at each round. And the same with Tickford with mm. orders. I mean, he's in the exact same boat. They've strung together two decent rounds, but can they keep showing on all the different types of tracks? Yeah. And uh, this one's going to be a good test for them. Gee, that Bathurst DNF kills them, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like in, a, in a championship this intense, when one driver at the moment, I don't know, we're only five races in, has gone so hard so early. It just exposes how valuable getting points in every race is because losing that potential 150 points or 140 or whatever it might have been, I mean, that's just, that's an enormous blow for, for that car that early in the season. So yeah, they've, they've got to deliver hundred percent. Yeah, they do. Uh, our, the run home social manager put out a question on social media today, uh, asking some of our listeners and our, uh, our, the, did I say the run home? The race Sorry, what show, what show are you talking about? Are you, are you oh, moonlighting to, on another podcast we don't got, know about? I've just gone or? back to SEM days like, yeah, four, like four years ago. four years since your professional radio career ended. So oh. what's with that? The Race Talk uh, social media manager. What a that? a question on the Race Talk socials. Was just uh, checking, was it the Race Talk? Yeah, it was the Race okay, Talk. Okay, good. Uh, <laughs> and you can find it at theracetalk.com.au. Are you, are you sure? Really? Uh, I, I think so. What did you do in Tassie last week? Like, what? I can't tell you. I seriously can't. <laughs> right. Uh, we did get some uh, questions from our listeners. And, and one of those, Tom Archiuli from uh, Dorich, asked the question, who will be the first person to beat SVG this weekend? Well, hello to Tom from Dorich. Uh, big fan of the show, we know. Uh, and thanks for tuning in, as always. Uh, I don't think anyone will be the first person to beat SVG this weekend. I think uh, he's going to win another three. I've put some thought into this, serious thought. Um, providing he's not sitting in seat A2 on the plane, I think someone might beat him off the plane. That's oh, okay. It. That could be it. He might get be sitting in A1 and still do a mad dash straight across to the door. Yeah. But I think that's the opportunity for everyone on Virgin Flight, whatever it is, to Launceston to mm. get one over SVG this weekend. Yeah. Okay. I actually I actually think he's got issues because his shoulder's okay now. So I don't think he'll be as good as what he was with a bad shoulder. Are we talking about Shane or Tom? No, Shane. Because I thought Tom's shoulder was fine. Uh, yeah. Well, no, I, I don't think it matters, Shebex, honestly. No, it probably it's does. It's not going to make a difference. He's a force of nature. Uh, no, I, I think he, I think the streak continues. I really do. Absolutely. Um, Tom, he did ask a second part to that question though, didn't he? Shebex? He did. And yeah. it is a, it is a very, very good question actually. And I'd like to get your thoughts. So how are you planning your viewing weekend with supercars, Australian superbikes, MotoGP, F1, Indy cars, all on the one weekend. Yeah. Well, uh, it's big, isn't got it? a bit on. Hashtag got a bit on. Um, it's big. So supercars for me, yes, we'll definitely be watching that. Uh, ASBK, I'll, I'll probably park that, but I know. Uh, I know Dale Tommy, would have if he was if he wasn't in Tassie. No, it's how, Dale it, Rogers, a friend of the show, is a massive superbike fan. Loves yeah. Australian superbike racing, so uh, I'm sure he'll have that recording on their live yeah. uh, Fox coverage. So um, we appreciate that for sure. Tom brings superbikes up because. Doric is involved in sponsorship with uh, several superbike entities. So mm-hmm. yes, with um, the, the Desmo Sport the, Ducati team, yeah, correct? Holly Bayless and Mike Jones. Nicely done. So uh, we we understand why he'll be watching that too. MotoGP. I'll depending on what time the race is, I'll probably watch on Sunday evening. We'll watch the Grand Prix because last year's San Marino race was pretty good. Yep. Not getting up for the IndyCar race because that's a bit silly, but I will definitely be recording that in some form. Well, you don't and, need to record it. You just go straight into KO and just click it well, you as could, a replay. Or you can just record it, Chebex, whatever. Uh, and I'll be watching that because I'm interested in Scotty McLaughlin's first full-time IndyCar race. That's a huge, huge moment oh, no, for massive. his career. And, and those of us that have been around since uh, he burst onto the scene in the early 2010s, um, we're all desperately keen to see how well he goes and really looking forward to that in uh, good old Alabama at Barber Motorsport Park. It's going to be really cool to see how he goes. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a massive weekend. It's cool. Huge. Very cool. Now, 
uh, a peek behind the curtain here. The race talks patented uh, power rankings. It's a team effort, and I can mm. only speak for the effort that I uh, put into that. And there's 48 hours in the weekend, so I assume that I'm going to have to spend about 43 of those compiling bits and pieces for the power yeah, rankings. I suspect there's going to be a lot of content flowing from the uh, from the socials at the race talk. Hot, not, or what? Let us know your thoughts. We'll. Uh, We'll include it all. It'll be a post supercars focus, but we'll certainly throw in some some grand pricks, and uh, we'll put Scott McLaughlin in hot, I'm sure, from uh, from well, Indy cars as well. Well, what about Monday ratings watch? I mean, where yeah. is the F1 going to be at a reasonable time slot? But substantial, I would have thought. But it could be a very good day for Fox Sports yeah. five oh six. I would have big thought. day. Mm. Other than that, this. The categories these days have such good social media that normally you can tune in the next morning and you'll get a 5, 6, 10, 12-minute highlights package of mm. whatever series anywhere in the world. I remember back in the day when speed was a thing, I would record everything and watch everything that was on speed. I just don't have the time these days in my life. I don't know what happened to my life, but it's gone wrong and I just don't have the time to devote to watch everything like that. So I normally just take bite-sized chews of everything. We don't have a podcast long enough to devote to where your life went wrong, Mark. No, no, you can true. come back to that if you like in a separate edition. Thank another you. Uh, another question that was thrown up on the socials, and it's from no username, and I don't know how you get that on social media because everyone's got a username. But anyway, mm. uh, no username for this one. Predict how Scotty McLaughlin will go this weekend in the Indy cars. Uh, qualifying will battle, I think, top fifteen probably, but I, I reckon somewhere in the top ten, uh, bottom end top of the top 10? ten, I think, at the end of the race. Yeah, fourteenth. Yep. Okay. i got no, yeah. no intelligence on that at all. How's Jimmy Johnson going to go? Well, yeah, I, I think McLaughlin will beat Johnson for sure. For okay. Sure. It, it's going to take a while for, for Jimmy Johnson to get up to speed, I think. But, um, yeah, I, I, I've got – perhaps I've got too much faith. I don't know. But uh, it, it's still a massive learning curve for Scott. But in all the testing and all the prep that he's done, he's been extremely competitive and, and not far off the, the Penske boys. And – you know that the Penske boys are going to be there and Will Power is probably going to be on pole position. So, um, and Scott Dixon will probably win the race because that's how IndyCar racing goes these days. But yeah, um, yeah I, I'm, I'm pretty confident he'll be somewhere towards the 10. Uh, at Jono Beekoff has asked the question, gentlemen, thoughts on Super 3. The switch to 18-inch Dunlops was inevitable given grid numbers, but it's given the privateer cars like ours more expense and doesn't make the cars, period, correct anymore uh genuine privateers with not many bucks don't have many options to go supercar racing now thoughts on that well it's a bit of a necessary evil isn't it um in combining the fields and putting everyone on the same tire they couldn't just make an old school tire for the super three cars out there it just wouldn't work didn't make sense they're probably I don't want to say the privateers get stuffed. It, it's a hard, it's a hard situation. You want everyone to race, but at the same time, things have got to move forward. It's, uh, it just wouldn't work making special tires for those guys. There's places that five-liter touring cars can run, where you can keep them completely period correct. They had a big run down the Phillip Island Historics recently, so you can go and run them in sports events. You can go and do all sorts of things if you don't want to change your car, but. Um, the, the rules are if you want to play with the big boys in the Super 2-3 combined league, you've got to do what they say. So there was a time, Richard, where the Super 3s were on the Kumo. Is that still the same? Well, no, because now no, they're running They've the gone on the Dunlops, yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, which was which was part of them sharing the grid with, with Super 2 yeah, okay. this year, which, which was a necessity for both categories. It, it had to happen that they be on the same grid, I think, for the health of both classes. Super 2 struggles have been well-documented numbers-wise and certainly... Uh, Super 3, I think, needed to be on that same grid just from a logistics point of view. And um, Dunlop was willing to extend their support to Super 3 as well and, and step up to, to back that category alongside Super 2. Uh, and, and there was some pressure, I think, from Team Land as well, from, from organisations running cars in both categories, that it made sense for them to all be on the same grid. So, look, there's winners and losers in everything like this. And I do feel for the privateer guys like Jono and Shane and his family that have been so good for so long. But um, yeah, period correctness is the least of the things to worry about, unfortunately, in that category at the moment. So it, it might be a short-term thing. You never know. They may, both categories may be strong enough to stand on their own. And, and in the future, um, Super 3 could go back to being a standalone thing with their own grids. And, and who knows? Uh, 
a privateer class for cars running 17 inch wheels as well. But um, yeah, it's just the reality of the world at the moment, unfortunately. Yeah, the uh, the current spec supercars, will they become Super 2 cars next year when Gen well, 3 comes in? That's a million-dollar question, isn't it? I don't know if they know, and certainly we don't know. Yeah. It's pro- probably the last thing they're going to worry about. And, and then the question's going to be, is Super 2 going to be quicker than the main game? Well, Which yeah. is something that's well, not going to sit possible, very well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, correct. I mean, Super 3 cars could be as fast as main game cars if, if the performance levels differ as much as some people think they will when Gen 3 rolls in. So... Yeah, uh, it's a big question, isn't it? Do they just roll straight into the new car in Super 2? But that defeats the purpose. And all of a sudden, there'll be 20-odd um, Super main game cars lying around, not being able to be sold down to teams. So, yeah, it's a it's a pretty delicate situation. I think Roland Dane's found the perfect scenario, which is just don't offload your cars to Super 2, sell them to rich collectors, which is easy yeah. when all your cars have got race-winning provenance, I suppose. So if you're <laughs> Matt Stone racing, it's probably not quite so easy. But anyway... Uh, uh, Shazam2906 has asked the question, why hasn't at Supercars updated the Super 2 Series points and included any results from 2020 or 21 on its website? These guys spend that dollars, 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 dollars and deserve to have this kind of information available. Hmm. Good point. Uh, I'm just, uh, as we speak right now, having a look at that website and the Series points are correct pre-Jordan Boys disqualification. So for 2021, so they haven't updated it since uh, Boys was rubbed out with an engine irregularity. Or was that uh, two weeks ago, was it? Three weeks ago? No, no, no. That was that was last week. Um, oh, yes. Okay. And results are current as of Bathurst from last year. So, yeah, they, they haven't got round one results up. That's fair. Probably should be a bit speedier on that. Um, but the points do seem like they've been updated without having been changed since uh, since the results changed a week ago from that. So um, fair comment, though. Uh, these are the little one percenters that you do need to get right. So uh, a speedy updating of results and points for people that look for them uh, is always welcome. Good news is, though, there's a lovely photo of Jess Dane as a six-year-old. <laughs> what? Huh? On the website. Huh? They've... You need yeah, a bit of context okay. there, Shebex, I think, because that sounds oh, real dodgy. <laughs> it does. Uh, so, yeah, let me put that into context. There is a, uh, a story on the Supercars website, which uh, has Triple Eight Bosch shares a sweet photo of a young Jess Dane. So, a photo was uh, shared by Roland Dane of a, uh, a young Jess Dane. Okay, cool. That's it, yeah. So- They've taken a bit of a turn there at supercars.com. They're undergoing a bit of a digital transformation, which includes things like pinching the power rankings. So not really on our Christmas card list at the moment, but they're aiming their side at a different audience. And I don't think that audience is me. I mean, I'm already sold on supercars. I don't need to climb on board, but they're aiming what they're doing at a different audience to try and attract some new people in who aren't already on board, like you, me, people, everyone listening to this. So good luck, Tom. Hmm. Yep. Uh, next question. I, I just shrugged, by the way. This, this <laughs> audio medium. I just shrugged. That's all I've got. Uh, will we ever see a timed endurance race for the supercars? Example of three hour. Is there a market for it? Considering races are effectively to time limits anyway, seems to be an easy one logistic wise. That's from uh, Sidewig 2. I don't have a problem with this at all. I was going to do an op-ed on it, but I don't think there's enough meat on it to warrant doing so. Why not? Everything is time certain outside of Bathurst, so I don't see a problem with doing that. And it's not like there's any sacred races anymore. There's no Adelaide 500. There's no Sandown 500. There's none of these traditional length races like the Bathurst 1000. Mm. Let's just run time certain. The events are called super sprints. That's got no... Uh, relation to anything that happens on the weekends. This weekend, we've got three one-hour races in a super sprint. Who cares? Mm. Just have three one-hour races. Then you're going to lose that whole argument for time certain races. The other problem is, too, that most of the races these days are on Fox Sports who've got no commitments afterwards. So do, why do we have time certain again? Yeah. E- either, either go time certain and just run everything time certain. Everyone's just used to that. You know, you look at IMSA in the States – they're all time certain races. You have the yeah. two hours, the three hours, the six hours, whatever it is, it's time certain race and you, you know what you're in for. I think that's a valid point. Absolutely. And it would just remove the angst that a time certain race causes to people. 
So you get an hour window. You go racing for an hour. Um, it's all like get, the safety car. It's tough. Whatever. That's, that's the way racing goes sometimes. But yeah, if you get 10 laps in that, great. If you get 50, fantastic. Mm. But that's just the way it goes. Yeah, I, I think that's a that's a really solid concept. So extending on what this commenter has, has brought up, it's not so much about having the supercar three hour. It's just making all of the races a defined time period. So your, your pre-Bathurst warm-up back in the day when we had pre-Bathurst warm-ups was always about three-hour motor race. So rather than call it the Sandown 500, you'd have the tail and bend three-hour or whatever it is. So, yeah. But, but whatever, you could call it the Gold Coast, the Surface Paradise Grand Prix. Yeah. Or whatever. You come up with a special name for these events that uh, yeah. don't necessarily, you know, the longer distance ones, the feature events in Townsville, Gold mm. Coast and Newcastle, you call them something special and sell some more tickets that way. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Yeah, and uh, our final question from Beer Enthusiast. When are beers on TRT coming back? Well, I can't tell you right now, but within the next seven days, there will be an announcement that is linked to the race talk uh, via one of our partners um, that will see beers on TRT making a return Um, because basically we will have a supply of beer. What? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. No, this is this is a thing. This is this okay. is one of the great news stories of 2021. Uh, so watch this space is all I can tell you. If you're unfamiliar with the concept, in 2019 we launched beers on TRT on the Gold Coast, and one person turned up. Uh, we followed that up at the Adelaide 500, start of 2020, and multiple people yeah turned up, and the credit card got a pounding, which was fantastic. We love that people just came to have a beer with the TRT crew. Um, so that was sensational. Uh, and we wanted to c- carry that on, but COVID. Um, but we have been plotting and there is a plan. Uh, and I'm, I'm confident enough to say that there will be a beers on the race talk at some point in the near future. Watch this space. Okay. Or listen to this space because it's a podcast, obviously. Wow. Okay. That, that, th- this is this seriously fantastic news. That's just That great. is great news. Yeah. That is a, it's probably the news that we should finish on. It should be. Nice thing. Nice on to a finish high on a high. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, Mark, enjoy your week. Uh, thank you, Shebeki. Uh, I just wish everyone who's not Shane Van Gisbergen all the best for a win this weekend. That would be <laughs> most delightful. Richard, thank you for uh, your work again today. No, no pleasure. Uh, I'm going to go get the couch groove warmed up for the weekend. Whoa. A big weekend of motorsport. Uh, I'll be watching from the couch. Keyboard open, ready to bash out some power rankings. Uh, looking forward to that. And a big weekend from Simmons Plains and Imola and uh, the IndyCars as well. Really looking forward to that. So, yeah, it's a cool one. And we thank you for joining us as well right here on The Grid. Of course, powered by the Race Talk. It's our run home. We're heading there right now. <laughs> Talk to you soon. See ya. It's just not. <laughs>